Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. Again, www.rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is evangelist Dr. James Spinotti. Brother Jim is president of Sunshine School of Evangelism in Portsmouth, Ohio, director of TNT Ministries and editor of the TNT Journal, which both come with the warning label, Not for Spiritual Sissies. Dr. Spinotti has traveled the world speaking for Christ, has a regular preaching appointment every week when he is home. His Gospel Minutes radio program can be heard on over 100 stations throughout the United States and Australia, and he started out as a gangster in a large Midwestern city in the United States. Well, Brother Jim, I could go on and on, but the list of how God has used you is longer than my long arms. So uh, it's time we hear from you. So, Brother Jim, tell us your story. Well, thank you, Brother Tom. I appreciate it. Well, I grew up in a uh, Catholic family, a mafia family. Really, my uncles, my cousins, and that uh, were real deep in the mafia. In uh, fact, one of the well-known gangsters uh, of our time, uh, Ben Gazzara, played my uncle, Joe Bonanno, uh, in a movie. Really? So, yes. He was the godfather of godfathers, is my uncle. Wow. So he was something else. But that's how I grew up. I grew up in a uh, fight, and that's the way I was, fight and do everything. I mean, since I was 10, 11, 12 years old was in there, and then I was in gangs. I led gangs, and uh, and then I went up and started doing stuff for them, uh, mostly collecting and that. What we do is uh, prostitution, and uh, we didn't do any drugs, but we had gambling. And uh, what the lottery is today, we owned the lottery at that time. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was just called a numbers game, and uh, what you do is get them sucked in for a penny, we let them play for a penny because we know if they hit, they play for a nickel the next time, and then they play for a dime because it was 600 to 1 odds. In other words, they hit and had a, a dollar in there, they would get $6. See? So it was 6 to 1. 600 That's, to 1, I mean, they get $600. Devil gives you a taste, and then you want of a meal, then you want the whole meal. Yeah, and the, and the great, well, the great thing for the, <laughs> the mafia, I'm sorry, but the great thing at that time was that these, uh, when they hit big time, and I would go in there and pay them, I'd make sure I paid in front of everybody, see, so I could get some more on the dole. Right. So then we did loan sharking, we do loan sharking, that was our big business to the, uh, uh, to department stores, big businesses that could not get loans. So they get so far down you couldn't get loans, so therefore you then you go and give them the loan, see. But uh, our thing was not to get the money. We didn't care about the money. We wanted the business so we could uh, send our uh, uh, money in there so it wouldn't be, it'd be above board. In other words... We wash the money that way. Okay, so, all right. So that's what we do. And when they didn't pay, then we go over there, and it'd just be the fact that you'd stick a gun down there, so tell them you're going to kill all their family. 
and uh, it's a sad part about the thing. Uh, but then you tell them the good news. The good news, you still get your the same money you're getting now. All we want you is a front, so we can launder our money through wow. you, and that's how we did it. And that's how it's done today. I have a cousin in Chicago, was a godfather in Chicago, Dominic Crescente, and uh, I haven't talked to him in years. When I did a revival meeting, I went to India, and I f had to fly into Chicago because uh, there was a snowstorm out east, and I called and talked to him, but he said he'd never get out. You know, he, the only way out is death, as far as wow. he's concerned. So anyway, things went along well, and then I was going to the Catholic Church and then going out and drinking with the Catholic priest afterwards, you know. Yeah. When you was uh, in the mafia situation, they loved you because there was money coming into the place. That's one thing about the mafia Catholics, you know. We yeah. still give the money, <laughs> you know. You still take care of it. And, and they, uh, in fact, we funded a lot of their stuff. But, well, and that's what they wanted. Yeah, well, that's what they wanted, and we were uh, respected, <coughs> respected people. Even uh, though they knew what we were doing, we were still respected, and and uh, so just the crazy the way it was. And really, until I got about uh, twenty one, twenty two, and then I started going away from that. Then, but then I got married and. Uh, and I was going to Catholic Church, and Judy wouldn't convert to Catholicism. Oh. Uh, so, and I, I was meaner than a junkyard dog. I was still that way, you know. I, even I, after you married? Oh, even after I married, I bust somebody's head in a heartbeat. I mean, that's the way and, it was. And Judy's so sweet, I just wonder how how you were able to get a hold of her. I don't know. Probably my good looks. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. And so I, I worked out at a, a, a Teledyne Ohio Steel Foundry as a metallurgist in the metallurgy department. And uh, this guy was working, and they'd never say anything to me because I, you know, I'd eat them up with stuff when they come. A lot of these denominational guys would come up to me and want to convert me, and I. And I Say some things, you know, right? And bust them up. Well, one of the guy who worked in East, and he and never, never, they don't say nothing to me, but he come up and he said, We're having a revival, would you come? Well, that was after Judy said she wouldn't convert to Catholicism, so I started looking for a church for Judy. Yeah, See, what wasn't me because no, I didn't you, didn't, you didn't need one, no, no, not me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need any church, and so. That's when he, and right after that, I don't know God's God's timing, whatever it is, but I know that's when it happened. Right after Judy didn't want to uh, convert to Catholicism, and I started uh, looking for something else for her, not for me. And it wasn't probably a couple of weeks after that. He said, would you come to, uh, to our revival? And uh, when I said, yeah, he about fell out, too. See, because I wouldn't even talk to none of them. I was just a hard yeah. case. And so I come home and told Judy we're going to revival. She, she looked at me like, I'm, you know, I'm on my head because I'm crazy anyway. So we got in the car and, and went to the revival and pulled in the uh, church parking lot. And there's only one car in there. Of course, I'm always early whenever I go anyplace. Yeah. <laughs> and I found out the Church of Christ is always late. Oh. 
know. So I I said, well, I guess there's nobody here, you know. So I started, I pulled around and started going out, and this little fat guy come out and, and started screaming. I could see him in the rearview mirror waving his arms, you know, and... And I told you, she said, what's the matter? I said, well, I said, we better stay. And she said, why is that? I said, he looks like the Maytag repairman, the loneliest man in town. <laughs> and so we went back, and it ends up the revival was Ed Bowsman. That's wow. the first message I ever heard, a real wow. message, because in Catholicism, there's no real message. Uh -huh. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing. It's up and down and, you know, get around and dance. Right. So, anyway, they told him there's that mafia boy back there, and he's back there in the back, and, and I thought Ed was nuts, you know, he was flying a paper airplane around. Well, when yeah. we first got in there, they started singing and kept on singing, saying, I told you I didn't come here to join the choir, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then he started preaching, and he started flying the airplane around, and, uh, and I said, man, this guy's nutter a fruitcake. And uh, so we end up leaving there, and I said, well, I don't think I'll ever go back there. And she said, well, she said, I'd like to go hear the preacher that's there. And I said, well, you go wherever you want to go, but I'm going to the Catholic Church. You yeah. do what you want to do, but yeah. I know what I'm doing. Uh, because I said my family, you know, I'll be cut off from my family and everything. Sure. And that was a big part of it. And so I started, uh, she gave me a Bible, bought me a Bible. She bought the cheapest Bible she could find. And I still got it. That's really? what's great about it. I still have it. And it reminds me that you never can tell what anybody is going to do with the Lord. Right. You know, I mean, it's a great story to know that. That the, that, that the Lord, no matter who you are, what you've been, where you've been, and what you've done, that blood of Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness. It's a great Great, great thing. So anyway, she bought me that Bible. And then the worst thing about it with a Catholic is you start reading it. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then when you start reading it, it doesn't take you long to find out, hey, this isn't right, you know. When it said that, uh, you know, in latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and things taught by demons, forbid to marry and to eat certain meat upon this earth to be given with uh, thanksgiving and prayer. And I said, oh, oh. And then I found out instead of Peter being the first pope, that Peter had a, mo uh, a mother-in-law. Yeah. yeah. Man. And then I looked at that, I said, something's wrong here. Something, yeah. Something's yeah. not going right here. Yeah. And so that started me thinking. What, you don't want me to ask, what year would that have been? Uh, well, that was 1978. Uh, Okay. 79. Just kind of want to put things into perspective, but go yeah. ahead. Go 1979 ahead. Was, was really, I was, I was uh, 32 years old, so, mm -hmm. you know, it was getting late on there before she started th thinking about that. She come from a uh, more of a godly perspective than I did because we never prayed at, at dinner table. We'd grab it and go, buddy. That's right. <laughs> Unless we did something to, to our mother during that day, then we let Dad get the food first. <laughs> yeah. Then we, you know, because we know he's going to get in trouble. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that that was 1979 when we started. On, of the, uh, so then I started reading. And the more I went to the Catholic organization, 
I got more dissatisfied with it and more dissatisfied as the Lord working with me, you know. And, and I'd start mumbling during the services. I mean, it's terrible, but I did that. I remember, you know, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. Then you'd have to say, and with you also, you know. Yeah. I mean, man, I said, I can think for myself here. What have I been doing all these years? And then every once in a while, I drop into the, the Church of Christ at night. You're right. And, uh, and so I get Judy was going at that time. Judy was going every every Sunday all, all the time. She'd go midweek and then. Right. But I won. But I every once in a while, I'd drop in. And then I just I just got convicted, you know. That I had to be immersed. I mean, I read that. Nobody ever come and taught me. Now, I'm telling right. you, the Bible will teach you. All you got to do is get in the Bible. Right. Uh, nobody ever come and told me that I had what I had to do and that. Nobody, uh, in fact, what Judy did, she said, uh, she said, the preacher wants to come and see you, comes and talk to you. I said, oh, he does, huh? <laughs> and she said, yeah. And I took her out. We had uh, like a, 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 a build in. Uh, outside porch, you know. Right. I took her out there and said, where do, you, where do you want the new door? And she said, what do you mean new door? I said, if he comes in here, he's going out some way. Where do you want the new door? Oh, put? my. <laughs> so, so she told him, stay away from him uh, because he, he'll go if you, if, you, if you press him at all. Right. And, and I think that's a lot of uh, preachers don't get, uh, get that thing. Some people... You can put a little press on, and other people, you better not. No, yeah. But some guys are heavy-handed and are trying to push somebody into obeying the gospel. That'll never work. No. People got to do it on their own, and then when they do it on their own, you got somebody. Right. So anyway, she ends up being immersed into Christ, but she doesn't tell me. Because of the way I am, because I used to blow up. I quit. I had a short fuse, boy. Really? Yeah, short fuse. I used to be in fights all the time, man. You know, I fight a drop of a hat, and I drop the hat. See? <laughs> and I didn't realize I'm five foot six. You know, I just yeah. didn't have that mentality. I had that more of that Doberman or pit bull mentality. Right. You know that I, I didn't think of size at all. I never thought of that. Anyway, so she was immersed in the crime, and I didn't know it. So maybe it was two weeks after she was, and I still didn't know it. And I decided to be to be baptized in the Christ. So I go there, and he keeps on preaching, you know, and, I, and I'm saying, why don't he just shut up so I can get this done, you know? <laughs> and that's how it happened. That's wow. how it happened. I was immersed in the Christ, and then... Uh, that's was that's when our life changed, our family changed, and then uh, I started growing in the Lord. And wow. I was uh, preaching within uh, two years, a year and a half afterwards. Wow, that's a wonderful story. Yeah, it's crazy. I look back and I say, you know, after all these years, you just wonder how in the world, you know, there was a set pattern there. It's crazy. Um, just the way that God just put one person, one thing in, in front of your life, and that man that said, "Come to revival with me." Yeah, yeah. there was just one man. He didn't. He didn't uh, throw the Bible at me. He didn't. 
you know, a lot of people say, well, you're inviting people to church. It really doesn't matter. Well, sometimes it does. It does. Yeah. See, we all, uh, uh, you know, we plant and somebody else water, but we know God gets the increase. But if you never plant, guess what? The watering will do you no good. That's right. So then I did that, and uh, I started preaching, and I... Craziest thing, I I had a revival in Oklahoma, in Blackwell, Oklahoma. I know where Blackwell is. Yeah, I yeah. preached in Blackwell, Oklahoma. Well, here's the deal. I haven't been, I just preached for a year and a half, or, you know, a year and a half after becoming a Christian, I'm preaching. You got yep. the congregation there. And, uh, and I get this call for a revival. I don't know how I got the call for a revival. I don't know anybody out there. And the only one that knew about it was Ed, Ed Bowsman was supporting me really well, you know, and yeah. encouragement and friends and that. And uh, so I I go out there and preach, and then they they wanted me to become the evangelist out there. So there was a big decision to make whether I was going to go out there or stay where I was. Yeah, you were already preaching somewhere. I was always preaching at the Lima Church of Christ. In Ohio. In Ohio. Okay. Up in Lima, Ohio. Okay. So I was already preaching there. But I'm glad, and I was aggravated I didn't go. But it was the best thing that ever happened because they run preachers through there like a male brother. Yeah. And there's a lot of those churches. Yeah, yeah, like a Pepsi, <laughs> a Pepsi factory putting bottles and cans out. That's <laughs> how many preachers they had. So I end up there, and then uh, I preach there until like uh, eighty, eighty nine, going into eighty nine in Lima. In Lima, right? Church grew. We was up probably one hundred and fifty people. A uh, real strong congregation. They stood on the word, and I really appreciate them. And uh, I got a call about going. Well, I got to the point where, you know, there was nothing wrong. And we got to a point where we wasn't growing. And I like to see if it ain't growing, something's going on. Well, you're on. an evangelist. Yeah, yeah, I'm an evangelist. And I got to I understand see, that. I got to see growth. Sure. And, and some people, he, they tell me, said, well, no, there's no problems here. I said, yeah, there's no problem, but there's no growth. Right. You know, we got to be out doing something. It isn't just that we're satisfied with where we're at. We need to be out making disciples. Absolutely. What we need to do. And so uh, there was this uh, church in Indiana, uh, and they had a bunch of problems, see. And uh, George Fall calls me, and he says, uh, Jim, I said, uh, yeah, he said, are you going to go over to Indiana? And I said, no. He, he said, why not? He said, and I said, well, they got nothing but trouble. And he said, what are you? And then he hung up the phone. Wow. That laid the brick on me, brother. Yeah. Because I'm an evangelist is what I am. I'm supposed to change those things around. Yes, sir. And that's why I went there. And, and because I went there, really, God opened doors. That's how TNT started. TNT started in 90. I went there in 89, wrote my first book in 90. TNT started in 90. 
we started with what we was going to do. The TNT Journal was all we were going to do. Now, what we, town was this in Indiana? Uh, Aurora, Indiana. Okay. Uh, Dave Fagan was over uh, near Connersville, Indiana. Right. And he's the one that called me. He's the one that, that, that had the idea about it. Or he said, you know, we need to do something. Because he went with uh, me and Mike Bridenball to India, and we preached over there together, and we got along really well together. And he said, well, I want to have a meeting, you know. And uh, So we had two other guys that come in there. And they talked, and they talked, and they talked, you know. And I said, listen, here's the deal. You're either going to do something or you're not going to do something. If you're not going to do something, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Because I'm just not going to talk about it. Talk's not going to get nothing done. we got we got to move on this, or, or, or we're not going to do anything. We're just going to talk about it. We only have so much time on this earth. Yeah. <laughs> and and I don't, I'm a lot like you, I, I believe. I don't like wasting it. I've only got so much time. I've got work to do. And if God's leading me somewhere, I need to go there and get it done. Yeah, we need to get it done. And, right. you know, here's the deal. If I want to mess around, I mess around. But I'm right. not into messing around thing. I'm into, I'm going to get it done. That's the way it is. We're going to do it. Because God can do all things. That's right. We, we quote Philippians 4.13, but I don't think 99% of the church believe a, a lick of it. <laughs> But I believe that, and I know you believe that. Yes, sir. That God can do all things. He'll open up doors you never thought of. No. Oh, he always has. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we started that over there. And our first thing was that we were just going to do seminars. The, the magazine had nothing to do with it. We were going to do seminars. Right. You know how many seminars we did and all the time? How many? One. <laughs> <laughs> we did one seminar. <laughs> that was it. And then everything else come out of that. The magazine ended up being the big thing. And then I did that Be a Soul Winner program with the Be a Soul Winner stickers and that. Oh, Be a Soul Winner, yeah. 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 And uh, so that was uh, the first thing. Can I ask you, TNT, where did you come up with the name TNT? Teach New Testament Ministries. Okay. But it it always looks good with, with a little bit of dynamite around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I I think of you as dynamite when you get in the pulpit. So. Well, I'll tell you what. My wife is the one that designed that. Oh, did she? She was sitting at the table. She had a great we job. We were talking, and she drew the Bible and put TNT behind it and a stick of dynamite out of the top. Well, I like that. Yeah. I like that. It, fit, it, it, it fits... What God can do, and it fits your ministry very well. Yeah, I yeah. mean it's something else. Yeah. And then uh, we started doing that. I went to India. Uh, out of that, and uh, when I got back, uh, got back from India, and then I end up going to another congregation. I end up going to St. Paul Church of Christ. And and that's uh, and across the river from Portsmouth, Ohio. Yeah. And in Kentucky. That's the only three churches I've been to as far as the, the evangelists there. Right. So I spent 16, 17 years there. Now, I met you when you were at St. Paul. Yeah. In fact, you received one of our mail-outs early in, this, in our ministry, uh, which would have been 15 or more years ago. And you invited me to come up to a seminar that you were doing here in Portsmouth yeah. and then to do a revival for you. And I'll never forget that big banner uh, making it hard to go to hell from Kentucky. Yeah. 
that you had over there, and and you were just uh, well, the Lord was setting the woods on fire, so to speak, over in St. Paul. Yeah, I mean it was amazing. It's amazing congregation. And there's really nothing there. I mean, as far as yeah, it's just it's no a town. very narrow road between the mountain and the and and the Ohio River. Yeah, and you're just sitting there and and just filling it up. You talk about people working uh, with a working congregation or uh, uh, people would be there. What got me is if, if we, you had 200 on Sunday morning, you had over 200 on Sunday night, over that on Wednesday. Wow. It was amazing. In fact, one guy across the river said, one preacher told me, he said he could just see the light coming from St. Paul. Really? Yeah. Well, I remember holding our first revival there with you. It was just full. And the people who made decisions on Sunday morning just, just filling the aisles. Yeah. And uh but anyway, I, we've I took you away from where you were going. You went to St. Paul and uh I guess moved to Portsmouth at that time. Is that yeah, right? I was new to Portsmouth. But really the elders of St. Paul were a real blessing to me. Got me over here and got us into the thing. In fact, they said if you, uh, you're the only one we're looking at, if you want it, it's yours. And yeah. so that wasn't a hard decision. And that's when I I took off, in fact, that same time as when I was leaving for Russia. When we moved here, and that's why, you know, I appreciate the leadership there because I was going to Russia. And yeah. uh, so when we moved uh, moved here, uh, I only preached the first Sunday I got here, and I was flying Monday oh my. to Russia for three weeks. That's so, good eldership. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Well, they got it handled. Them guys got it handled. That's the difference between a, a good eldership and not. Right. You know, you can leave and they're still doing the job. You don't have to babysit them. And that comes with teaching and teaching and teaching, though. And when I was in local ministry, our churches always, well, I taught this, but they always looked at it and our leadership did. When I held a revival, they were a part of that revival. When souls were one, that was a mission outreach of the church. Right. And they, they prayed for me. Most time, the leaders would come up on the stage the Sunday before I left for revival and pray, lay hands on me and pray over me and the church I was going to. Now, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. It, it's been it's been amazing, uh, the ride there, and that was a great move for me because I wanted something that was solidified. That's when the first radio stations started. So I was on a 100,000-watt station there every Sunday for an hour. We had our whole service on there for an hour. <coughs> and then this WOKE over here, that new digital station come in, and they said to me, said, you need to go over there. And I said, ah, no, I don't. <laughs> well, you need to go over there and see about getting that. And I said, nah, I don't care, you know. So I, so I said, okay. So I get go over there and... Uh, meet with the guy and talk to him. He said, well, unless you're, uh, uh, who are some of them guys, you know, uh, uh, Dobson. Right. You know, unless you're Dobson and so-and-so, that's all we're going to have on here. So I said, okay. So I came back into the church, and I got one of my CDs that uh, uh, I, pr I preached at a seminar, and then I took it back and just gave it to the secretary and went. So the next day, he calls my wife, said, I want to meet him. And uh, so I met him for lunch, and he said, man, you you got the ability to do that. you got the ability to do that. So he said, but we're going to make it better than Dobson. 
and he got the uh, DJ of the year in the country music to do my opens and closings. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. So he got him to do the, and he's got a great voice, boy. And uh, so we started that. He said, well, do you want me to write the material? I said, no, I'll write my own material, you know. Uh, so I write the, my own material. And it was about six, eight weeks in, he gives me a call. He said, can you uh, meet with us Sunday? And I said, okay, well, I figured they's going to cut it off. Right. Well, this other guy, the guy that owns the 23 stations, and now he owns 46 stations, he came and uh, said, we we want you on all of them. Wow. So I'm like, we want to syndicate the program. So, you know, and I'm like this. And what is the title of the program? It's called Gospel Minutes with Dr. James Spinotti. Right. And I've listened to a lot of through podcast. Yeah. And really good. Really good. Not very long. Just No, they're only two minutes Very long. upbeat, and, and uh, I really enjoy them. Yeah, I... I that thing's on 106 stations now. Plus on podcast now. Plus on podcast, yeah. yeah. Plus uh, uh, Brandon Bentley puts them on. He does my Peak of the Week. That's what he calls that program, Peak of the Week. Okay. Because I wrote that book called Peak of the Week. Right. And uh, that has some of the uh, programs in it. And yeah. then I got Reno. I went out to Reno, Nevada to preach a meeting. And then suddenly I got four stations in Reno, Nevada. And now I got one in Carson City, Nevada. I picked up Memphis, which is 50,000 watts. What, and off Nashville. the top of your head, Memphis, do you know the... the uh, WNQM? Yeah, I wanted you to say that because we're from the Mid-South. And a lot of folks listen to our podcast from that area, from the Memphis area. Yes, WNQM uh, AM 1300. Do, uh, and I come on at, uh, uh, I'm trying to think now because it changed with the time. That's all right. Now I can't think of when it was either. Uh, it's 7, uh, uh, 20 some, tw 25. Okay. And you're on in, you're in Tupelo, Mississippi too, is that correct? Tupelo, yeah. All right. And on Sunday? Uh, no, all during the week. Okay. Monday through Friday, that's the only one thing that I do. Uh, all the Memphis stations, all them, are on Monday through Friday. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm glad we got that out because I know we have a lot of listeners in that area. Yeah, so. I was wondering about that because I get some a lot of feedback from uh, that program. Yeah. And uh, they give me a good time. I wanted to be the drive, morning drive or afternoon drive. That's what I wanted. Sure. And they give me that morning drive. I think it's, I think it's 7... Uh, 27 or 26 is when I come on because it's only a two-minute broadcast. But that's been, that's gone, went real well. And the books and the seminars we're doing, we got the camp meeting going on. That's at Sugarloaf Camp over Sugarloaf in... Sugarloaf Camp, and it's uh, uh, the Friday and Saturday after uh, late, uh, Labor Day. Now tell us the, the name of the camp, the family camp, what you call your family camp. The no excuse, old fashioned, no excuse, old fashioned camp meeting. Yeah. So no excuses, man. We we feed you, we get you in there, we sing to you. You have free breakfast on Sunday or on Saturday morning. So is this uh, for the whole family? That's yeah. for everybody. It is a family camp. Kids don't have to. But we have one thing where a guy comes in and cooks, and it's like six dollars a meal. Kids are free. 
There's no excuse for not going to something like That's that. That's why I said there's no excuse. <laughs> we came by the camp. I've never been by it, but we saw the sign on the way here today. We're Beth and I are on our way to Pennsylvania for revival, and I went out of my way a little bit because I wanted to spend a little time with you. And uh, we saw with the camp beautiful setting. Beautiful yeah, setting. it is. It's real nice. And uh, one of our graduates is the camp manager. So, and who's that? Willie Martin. One of your graduates. So what did he graduate from? Tell us about that. All right. Yeah, I forgot about Sunshine School of well, I wasn't going to let you forget that. We're sitting here in your building. Yeah. Well, that started because I, I went uh, Judy and I went over to see Dave Fagan, and I told him I wanted to start a Bible college. And he said, well, we're going to have to check into this, and we're going to have to check into that, you know, and this and that. We get in the car, and Judy said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm starting a Bible college. <laughs> I said, and it was like two years before Dave came to teach in it. I taught all the classes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, you know, what am I going to do? I had a doctor's degree. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. What What am I going to wait on, you know? Right. I, I'm not the guy to kind of wait, just do something about it. And what's important is we're training people in the Word of God. Whether, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. But I'm going to say, and this is my opinion, all right, Brother Jim? My opinion is it doesn't matter whether the world accepts our diplomas or not. We we need to teach people the Word. We need to get people in the pulpits. We need to get people in the pews knowing the Bible. Right. And that is what is important. That's what our job is. And the church has failed in that area. And I would like to see the churches doing more of what you're doing here. But you have a lot of graduates. You this started in 1990, is that correct? Yeah. I did a little research before I got here today. Yeah. And uh, you've got a lot of men for, for, a, for a small operation, if I can put it That's like right. that. That's right, it is. We have 30 men preaching. 30, okay. I thought it was 20, but you've got 30 men in 30 years. You've got 30 men who are preaching, and a lot of Bible colleges can't say that. And that's a shame to say they're turning out uh, good Christian businessmen, uh, you know, or whatever, but they're not yeah. turning out preachers. They're not turning out preachers at all. But our guys, we do four years and two years. It's yeah. uh, very uh, intense. In other words, we're here. If I go on, uh, uh, like I go to Australia, I take them with me. They learn uh, that stuff, learn what they're doing. They get a preach over there, which they never would before. No. You know, so uh, that's a big push for us. Our, the Bible college is something... Uh, that really needs to be done because uh, nobody's putting out people. That's right. And we're only putting out Bible people. We don't have the garbage classes. We're putting out guys that's going to preach, not guys that's going to be youth ministers. Right. You want to be a youth minister, you need to go someplace else. You want to be an evangelist, you need to come here. Right, right. We're not saying youth ministers are a bad thing. No. It's, it, just, it's just saying that it, it, this is you're turning out evangelists. Yeah, yeah, this is your program to turn out preachers, evangelists, that's, and, and that's good. You're, that's you're focused focus. on that, and that yeah. is your focus. And Now, we do have, we're going to have nine graduates down at uh, Grundy, Virginia, uh, here in uh, May 7th. I think it's May 7th. Because you've been going down there, you started that up again this year at Grundy Bible yeah. Institute, right? Yeah, the elders down there at Grundy, they've really been a blessing to us, and uh, so we have a, a degree, biblical degree, and biblical studies is what there is. So we have four women in that class, and that'll be the first women we'll ever have come out of here, which is great. I'm excited yep. about it. So, but not evangelist. 
But not not evangelists. Somebody will bring it up and say, oh, you know, he's putting on evangelists. Well, I want to make sure we made that clear because there's a lot of controversy right now about that happening in some some quarters. And it's not happening at Sunshine School of Evangelism. It is not happening here. (laughs) Right. You can take that to the back. Well, I I know that. But people who don't know, you may not know that. But that uh, we believe in a biblical pattern. So that's where we're at. But that's great that that you're down at Grundy as well and uh, graduating even more. This year, uh, last year, we started a master's program. So we have uh, Ethan uh, Roth uh, got his master's degree, and Anthony is working on his. Wow. So, so we put out the thing, the, the master's degree, one thing, you have to write a commentary. Really? To wow. get the master's degree from here. And you, do uh, you have an online program now as well? Yeah, it's online. We we have so many uh, resources. Uh, www.tntclassroom.org. If you go there, there's so many different things we have. We have the school. We have gospel minutes. Uh, we have the uh, uh, commentaries. Pop, yeah, we have the commentaries. We have uh, my gospel minutes. Uh, you can get a lot of my gospel minutes on there. You can get our videos. Uh, we have preaching from our uh, camp meetings on there. And those are, yeah, those are videos. Those are videos, and you can watch them online. I had a family member today while we were coming here where I was explaining who I was coming to, to see, and they said, uh, send us that, or I'd love to hear him preach. I said, well, we can get you... We can direct you where you can hear uh, Dr. Jim preach, and 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 a lot of other good speakers as well. Yeah. So, uh, also we have the Christmas gift. We do a Christmas gift to Portsmouth. Uh, we've been doing that uh, thirty years until the COVID come out, and uh, we'd have been over thirty years this year or last year. And tell us about that. Well, what we try to do is do something for the community, so we do a Christmas gift to Portsmouth. It's an absolutely free concert. Uh, the venue's twelve hundred. It's it's one of the top venues in the state. It's got surround sound. Uh, we bring in uh, people from the Lord's Church to sing, and everything is free. You come in there, and you're going to have a great time. And there's nobody busting you for anything. Yeah. We're there to to make a difference in the community, and that's the thing. Uh, a lot of times people want to give us money. We don't want your money. Uh, like one oh, time I, like I did that. the absolutely, uh, we did something for the Bible club. We had the absolutely free car wash. <laughs> so it, it was even advertised in the paper, absolutely free car wash. People try to give us money. No, we don't want your money. We didn't ask for your money. We're washing your cars for nothing. Mm. You know, try to make a difference in the community. I, I would think one thing you would ask for would be the churches to send you preachers. That, oh, yeah, yeah, man. We need them. President of, of Mid-South Christian College that we are that we are partnered with for our 501 and, and a, few, a number of other things has said that people say, how many preachers you turn out? And he said, I'm turning out as many as you're sending me. Because he said, the churches are not sending me preachers. And we they're there. We're just not our, preach, our preachers and our elders are are not looking for them. Right. Used to be we were always looking. So now here's someone that God could put his hand on, he'd be a preacher. But we're not looking for that, are we? No. Uh, I think we've uh, we forgot about what the most important thing of, uh, in America is and in the world is the God's Word. Yes, sir. And somebody to bring it uh, forth. And people have got so hard on stuff. 
we need people that are going to preach the truth in season out of season. Well, I've Beth and I were talking the way here, and and I said, you know, something that's been has that I've just accepted, and I, I've, I've tried to find this quote. I, maybe you know where it's at, but General Patton said to his army, "When you go out there, if you're trying to stay alive, you can just forget it. You need to consider yourself a dead man when you go out there." And I said, "That's where I'm at in today's culture." As a Bible preacher, as a as a as a gospel Christian, New Testament Christian, is I consider myself a dead man, and we're supposed to. We're we died to ourselves. We're alive to Christ, right. but we need to consider ourselves in the Lord's army, dead men to this world, and alive to Christ. And whatever cost there is, that's what we've got to do. Well, that's a mindset, and most of them, most people don't have that mindset. But we got to be a sold out mindset. Yes, sir. And when you're sold out, guess what? Nobody can take anything from you because you're already sold out. It doesn't matter if uh, if this country turns upside down. We'll, I'll still be sold out for the Lord no matter what happens. That's right. That's right. We can't. Uh, Jesus is going to save this country, not Republicans or Democrats. That's right. Neither and, uh, one of them. Oh, well, I, I've known that for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you can just hear what's going on. But, but we know Jesus is, is our only hope. He's the only answer, and, and everybody thinks it's money, another program. I tell yeah. you, it's Jesus. He's yeah. the only one that can make a difference in this world and in our country, in our area, is the Lord. And these people that are convicted and are sold out, and so many churches, people aren't sold out. I mean, no, they're not going to give up anything. Uh, and, you know, if somebody came, you know, I, I, when this virus thing come up, that proved a lot of things to me. Yes, sir. Because churches closed, mm-hmm. and they asked me, said, well, uh, uh, are you guys closing? I said, I'm not closing. I'm now, not closing. Now, where where are you preaching now? I'm preaching at Jackson Church of Christ, Jackson, Ohio. Okay. We've never closed. We ain't going to close. And they said to me, said, well, what if they put you in jail? I said, it'd be the greatest thing that ever happened to that church. Yeah. We'll get more publicity. I mean, we need people that's going to stand and make a difference. What, what, what would they, what would they said, uh, Paul and Silas when they come in to think? Did they get in trouble? Yeah, they got in trouble, but everybody around knew about Paul and Silas and the Word of God. You, you had a real good example of that in Australia a few years oh, back. Yeah. You want to tell? Do you want to tell us about that one? Oh yeah, I can tell you. We, about we've that. we've always been behind you and prayerfully and and financially in your ventures to Australia. We we believe that's good work. That oh, it's there. a great work there and yeah. great people. And uh, Delroy Brown over there is awesome, and and uh, Doug over there uh, he's great. But uh, yeah, I I go over there. I'm supposed to speak at uh, Toowoomba uh, University. And uh, I get in there, and I'm supposed to speak that day. I and flew you, in the day before. And what was your topic? Uh, it was just on Christianity. Okay. Uh, 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 the way forward. It's called Christianity, the way forward. All right. Okay, so I'm supposed to do a seminar at that college. And uh, so the guy wakes me up. Delroy wakes me up in the morning. And he said, your picture's on the front page. I said, oh, you're crazy. You're, you're <laughs> crazy. My picture's not on the front. He said, it's all over Australia. Your picture's on the front page all over Australia. I said, you're, you're He brought the paper in, and it says, 
American evangelist banned. I was banned in the, from the University of Speaking. Oh, they got on your website and found out you were very biblical. Well, they found out it was a homosexual issue. Right. Uh, but the thing of it was, when I went on the website to find out where they found it, it was the last one on there. I mean, you had to go through, there was like a hundred articles on there. And it was the last one. It was 99 or 100 on there. So they did some digging. Someone yeah, was trying to get you. they had to dig like crazy because there wasn't nothing else in there. Oh. So, and Delroy, he was excited. He said, this is great news. This is great news. <laughs> I said, well, what, what, what do you mean? He said, man, he said, we're going to have all kinds of things where we can talk to people because of this. This is awesome. <laughs> and we did. Uh, in fact, I got called to uh, Brisbane, and, and that's a big city, three sure. million or so. And uh, they had a big venue for me to go in there, and I spoke to uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm. And uh, it was crazy because they were, did a uh, interview session before you preach over there. If you ever go over there, they'll do an interview session. See, I never had that happen to me. It's, it's like uh, the one they used to have, the 60 Minutes or something. And, yeah. But he said, uh, he said, I, he said, you ready to preach? I said, yeah. He said, well, come on up here. He said, we're going to interview you. He had a chair and a couch on there on the pulpit. So, man, I don't know. So he's interviewing, asked me how, yes, a little bit about like what you're doing right now. Really? Yeah, and so he asked me about my family history, about the, the school and different things like that. And then he said, do you, do you have a word of the Lord for us? And I said, yes, I do. And uh, then I got up and preached. And I one thing I had, to, I, I preached the book of Jude. What I did is just quote the book of Jude and preach it. And then, man, there were so many questions with people. How do you do it? How are you doing this? How, how are you making a difference? He said, you make a difference with what you have. If you don't use what you have, God's not going to give you any more. That's right. God's already gave us something. We, we, we need to use the resources we already have, and God will give you more resources. But if you don't use what you have, guess what? Nothing's gone. That's right. And preachers come to me in that thing. There was a bunch of preachers in there and asking me questions about how, how in the world do you make a difference? Well, you make a difference by standing. Uh, we got too many weak-kneed uh, Christians and weak-kneed preachers and weak-kneed churches. I mean, we ought to be proclaiming the gospel, man. This, this is no time to back down to anybody. No, no. I mean, here, here, COVID. Listen, COVID, they shut down. What are you going to do when they come with the guns? Come on. That's right. That's right. What are you going you know. What are you going to do when they come with the guns? Because it's going to happen. It will happen in this country That's sooner right. or later. We've held revivals during COVID, and, and uh, we've held them in churches and states they were told not to meet. And uh, we went anyway because they were going to meet. And they said, well, would you come? I said, well, of course not. We're scheduled. Why wouldn't we come? And sometimes they had to change the schedule because of traveling restrictions we ran into a few problems that way, and and uh, they were kind enough to say, uh, you might need to go to the restroom on your on your thousand mile trip here, and uh, there won't be any place to stop. So let's let's move it a month yeah. or whatever. But you don't stop preaching the gospel. Uh, you think about the people who have been 
uh, martyred, in some cases butchered, right. uh, just in the, in the last 15 years in the world. And we're going to shut down because someone says, you can't do it. No. Like I said in, in one of our venues, we are still, we still have freedom of speech. We still have freedom of religion. And we're still gospel Christians. And this is what we do. Yeah. This is what we do. And be respectful. I'm not saying don't be respectful. And I'm not saying if somebody feels a need to wear a mask, be respectful of them. I mean, that's a Christian thing to right. do. But, 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 but quit trying to uh, put everybody in the same that's right. square. That's right, because we're not all in that same place. No, we're all, we're all individuals. We're all different. We all have a different focus on what we're doing. And I'm sold out to the Lord. And like one guy said, well, what, what are you going to do? I said, well, what did the first Christians do? We must obey God rather than man. Yeah. And I, th- I think one of the things that we've lost sight of, uh, just recently we were in a hotel and, and we were talking about being from Mississippi that the mandates went out some time ago. Not that a whole lot of people follow them, but uh, we were in a different state. And he said, well, I heard that that's changing in our, in our state uh, maybe today or tomorrow. He said, I just heard that. I don't know I don't know if the law has changed. Well, the thing that people have lost sight of is a law is, goes into effect after two houses of, of a Congress make the decision and a governor or a president sign it. A mandate is not a law. Right. And, and uh, again, being kind to our fellow citizens, no problem with that. And uh, being cautious, okay, no problem with that. But there's a difference between a mandate and a law. And if it comes down as a law, you can't meet as a church. That's where we come down to say, do we obey man or God? Right Right now, I, I don't see there's a question because there's not been a law. It's no, just there's mandates. there's executive orders, mandates, right. and that's it. Our and, governor has done the mandate, and they're trying to put a band-aid on him to stop him, too. Right. So Because he's going to be on uh, what he should go on. Well, I don't know if we can do this quickly, but we kind of touched on this a little bit. And before we close up here, what do you see? You've been in ministry a long time now, as have I, almost about the same amount of time. Going forward, looking forward, what do you see as the greatest challenge to the church in in America? Let's go with America today or, and, and going forward from today. Okay, I'll tell you what I really... I wrote an article here just not too long ago. In fact, I think it's going to be in the paper. It'll be in the journal, probably. 30 years ago, husband and wife in the house. You know what the percentage was? No. 60%. You know what it is today? No. Seven. Really? Of all America. Only 7% of our families have a husband and a wife. In wow. the house. That is our biggest challenge. Because when you take the family out, you're, 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 you're taking the foundation out. And God's got to be there. But when you dis, discrin, uh, disintegrate the family, then, then the church goes. Well, I'm telling you what, God always had a lot to say about the family. The family was important. Yep. I mean, you go from the uh, from the beginning, how the parents made the offering, you know, and then you go to a family situation. 
The greatest problem we've got right now is family. Is not keeping the families together. When you don't have the families together, you got a husband over here and a wife over here, and they're divorced and that. Kids are strung both ways, you know, one way and the other way. Uh, there's no continuity there. No stability. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, they're left on their own. And it all started a lot of it, and... Uh, uh, with uh, with both parents have uh, thought they had to work, and uh, they're going here, going there, and the kids are going where? Nowhere, and they're all the education they're getting. Uh, very little, if any, is coming from the family, and then very little, if any, is coming from the church. Right. If they go to church at all. Yeah. yeah. Because how many going to Sunday school? Where, where your foundational principles are taught? The Sunday school is. Is beginning to disintegrate. The parents are saying, "Well, I'm going to let the kid choose whether they want to go or not." You don't let the kid choose. No. <laughs> I mean, when I be uh, when I became a Christian, our family knew where they were going to go Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek. Right. They knew where we were going. There was no question. When my boys started playing football, and they were going to have, we was having a revival on Friday, and 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 he was a. A star football player. Uh, he knew where he was going to go. Yeah. And and the coach told him, you know, he come off of the, the the field and he was had tears in his eyes. And I said, "What's going on?" He said, "Well, the coach said if I go to church, uh, that that he's going to take me off the, the team or you know, bench me." So I got out of the car and uh, Scott said, "Where are you going?" I said, "I'm going to see your coach." <laughs> you know, went right out of the field. He tried to get away from me, and I cornered him because I'm quicker than he is, you know. And I said, what's this? I, I hear you're going to cut my boy, or you're going to put him on the bench because he goes to church. Is that right? He said, well, yeah, yeah. I said, what? What? I said, look at those parole officers over there. Who are they watching on your team? You got five, five kids on your team that are on a parole thing for uh, things that they've done, uh, juvenile delinquency things. Right. And, and, and you're going to throw out my kid because he's going to church? And he said, well, he said, uh, 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 no, no, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. So he changed that. So here we go. That was on a Wednesday night. That's how that started. It was a Wednesday night. Then he's coming into his senior year. They're playing uh, big time because Lima Senior High was a big school, probably the third or fourth biggest school in, in uh, Ohio. And they, uh, they're they playing a game where both of them's undefeated. And uh, so uh, he called, Scott calls him and tells him he won't be there Friday, a Friday night game because we're having a revival. And he told him over the phone, I thought you were going to quit. Quit church. Oh. So oh. he comes and tells me that. I get my car keys. He said, where are you going? <laughs> I said, you know where I'm going. I went down to school, and it's a big school. They got probably 20 coaches. And they're in a big room back there. I went in there and knocked on the door. And they opened up the door, and I come in. I said, I want to talk to you, and I want to talk to you alone. And he said, told them to get out of there and uh, I said uh, I hear you're going, you're going to put, uh, cut my kid because he's going to a revival tonight huh? 
He said, yeah. I said, well, who's the, who's the, who's the coach of this team? He said, well, I'm the coach of this team. And I said, well, you know who the coach of our team is? And he said, who? And I hit the table. I said, God's the coach of our team. And he trumps you all to death. I said, I'm going to tell you something here. You go ahead and cut him. And I'll be at that board meeting. The next board meeting of this education thing. You're going to cut a kid from going to church. And we'll see what happens then. And he changed his mind in a hurry, boy. And that parents will not stand up because sports have become... Uh, they become a religion. Sports have become religion, and uh, rather than just being a fun thing kids can do, yeah, uh, it's become a religion, and everybody thinks their kid's going to make it to the majors. Oh, yeah. And, who, and, and honestly, what Christian really wants their kids at major ball today yeah, anyway with all the, the craziness? Yeah, the worst thing that ever happened. Though. Yeah, so uh, I appreciate that story, and I hope that that will put a little moxie in a few of the parents who might be listening today. Well, I got to tell you something. Because of that, I, t I told him, I said, he said, well, they won't let me play next week. I'm going to tell you what. I said, if Michael Jordan wanted to go to church and he missed one game, you think he'd be playing the next game? He said, he'd be playing the next game, Dad. I said, well, listen, you just trust God. That's all you got to do. I said, you're a starter. If he gets to where he's going to be losing, guess who's going to be playing? Next game, he's playing. Mm. And uh, and I got a good thing to tell you. Because only three kids got full-ride scholarships for football. And he was one of them. Take a stand for Jesus every time. That's what I mean. Yeah. Put Jesus first. Put God first. And guess what? Everything else will go. If you just do that. Too many of our people want to give first place to the world instead of first place to God. You give God the glory, give Him everything. Because I'm telling you what, when you give God everything, He'll do everything for you. You, you It'll blow your mind what God will do for you. That's right. That's right. Well, I don't think we could end on anything better than that, except I want to go back and I want to get that website again, because they can they can order the TNT Journal from the website there. Yes. And I get the TNT Journal, and, and uh, I, as a matter of fact, I get several of them so I can distribute them. And I, I think it's good reading, as well as I've got a few of your commentaries. I love the Thessalonian commentary. I, that's just, I, I can't say enough about that one. Thank you. It opened my eyes in a few areas, uh, things I'd never thought about. And, and now I, I think, why didn't I ever <laughs> think about that? But if you would give us again the website where they can go and uh, check all this out. Okay, if you go to www.tntclassroom.org. At www.tntclassroom.org. You can go to all our websites. Our other websites will be at the top of that website. And you can click on there and go to every one of the other websites that we have. All right. I was just on there last night, checking it out again and getting a little background. And, and uh, it's a good site. A lot, lot of things you can find from there. And I hope our listeners will check that out. And I, I want to thank you, Brother Jim, for taking time with me. You're one of my Bible heroes. Well, and I appreciate, uh, I appreciate your mentorship and everything about you. So thank you for taking time and rushing back from a meeting you had today this morning. And I do hope that our listeners, if this has been an encouragement to you, that you will share it with your friends and co-workers in Christ, that you'll join us next time when we have someone else of interest to share their story on our servants program. And until then, 
This is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye, and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.